This is back in 1984 that the book came out, What to Expect When You're Expecting. It's now sold about 14 and a half million copies. It's in its fourth edition. It was USA Today that said it is one of the top 25 most influential books in the last 25 years. It is said that 93% of all women who are expecting who read a pregnancy book will read what to expect when you're expecting. It is an amazing book. It goes right on through and it tells you what to expect over and over again right on through to the end. However, it doesn't tell you all the things that you might not expect when you're expecting. Because you see, no pregnancy ever goes exactly as it is planned. It was back in 1979. Marsha and I were expecting our first child, Kelly. She would be born in February of 1980. We were so excited, and we were determined that we were going to do this through a Lamaze method. Now, Lamaze, you may remember, was really a big thing in those days, and it was all about not using drugs to kill pain. No drugs. You needed to know how to breathe. You had to have the right exercises. There were classes to go take. We went and took our classes. In fact, we were the stars of the class. We worked hard. We took it serious. We practiced. I'm telling you, we were ready. We knew exactly how this was going to go. But when we got to the end, Marcia developed high blood pressure. The doctor put her to bed for several weeks ahead of time. Finally, it got so bad, he put her into the hospital for several days. Finally, he said, we need to induce. And after about 18 hours of labor, the doctor said, we need to do a C-section. That's not what we were expecting. That's not how it was planned. And I got to be honest with you, we were so disappointed in the beginning. When it happened, we, we were really disappointed. We knew what was supposed to happen, what we wanted to have happen. In the end, we were able to say we have a very healthy, beautiful little baby girl. That's all that matters. But it's not what we were expecting. Of course, that's nothing compared to the Reverend Dave Petit. Reverend Petit, who was on our staff, as you know, it was back in 1993 right before he and his wife Cindy came here to serve at St. Luke's. Those of you who've been here for a while will remember Cindy Petit. The Petit Theater is named in her memory. She passed away in the year 2000. In 1993, they were serving down at First Methodist Church in Richardson, Texas. Dave was in seminary, finishing his degree, working towards ordination, being a United Methodist pastor. They, they were serving there. They already had one child, Sarah, who was about 15 months old. Cindy was pregnant with their second child. It was going to be a boy, Josh. It came to December, and early in December, Cindy felt that she had gone into labor. She went to the doctor, and the doctor said, no, no, you're not in labor. It's just you have a 10-pound baby. It's going to feel like it's pushing on everything. You're not in labor. And so it was, they moved on through the month of December, all the way to December 23rd. Now she's a little past due. But she was determined she was not going to call false alarm again 
It was on a Friday. December 23rd. It was a cold day in Dallas. Really, there was nothing to be doing. Dave was now out of classes. It was about 7 o'clock in the morning. He was still asleep. Sarah was still asleep. When suddenly he heard a blood-curdling scream. He jumped up out of bed, ran to the balcony, looked below, and Cindy said, I think I'm having the baby. He said, then we got to go to the hospital. And she said, they're in time. So Dave went and got a blanket and he spread it in front of the Christmas tree. He then ran and got the phone and there was no cell phone. No, it was a landline, one of those portables that you could carry around with you. We all had them. He went and got him, called 911 and began trying to talk to the person at the other end. What do we need to do? I think my wife's going to have a baby. He's all shook up and trying to talk. And suddenly Josh was born. And Dave didn't think he was breathing. And now he was really starting to panic. What do I do? What do I do? And he's trying to talk. And the call was dropped. And now he's really starting to panic. Here I have a baby. I don't know what to be doing. He's trying to call back, getting back on the phone. And by the time he finally gets the person back on the line, he's already hearing sirens. Then he says to her, I'm going to have to go open the door for the ambulance. You need to talk to my wife. And it... He handed the phone to Cindy and she's going, hello, yes. (laughs) Dave's running over to the door and opens the door and here come in the paramedics. They very quickly bundle up Cindy and bundle up Josh and they're out to the ambulance and they're gone. And Dave is standing there in the living room alone. Sarah's asleep. He knows he needs to get her all bundled up and take her to the church daycare system, the child care And so he runs up there and he gets her up and he gets her all dressed and he puts on her winter jacket to go out and they rush to the child care center. When they get to the child care center, they take her and they take off her jacket and they see that he's dressed her in overalls with nice little straps but no blouse. (laughs) The child care worker simply said, it's fine, Reverend Poteet, we'll find her some clothes, you go to the hospital. And so Dave rushed on to the hospital to to discover that Cindy and Josh were doing fine. Then he said it really was kind of neat when they got the birth certificate because it said, Father, Dave Petit, delivered by Dave Petit. When he got the bill from the doctor, it was still the full bill. You don't get any credit for helping in the delivery. No, Cindy came home. She was determined she was coming to Christmas Eve candlelight worship. She checked herself out of the hospital on the 24th. She came home. She made it that night to Christmas Eve. Reverend David Shaver called it out the fact that Cindy was there. She had had a baby at home the day before, and everybody clapped, and she waved, and Dave said she came home, and I don't think she went out for another couple weeks. But it was about a week or so after that, one of his friends said, you know, we need to go get the tape of that 911 call. I mean, that's a part of your story. That's a part of your history. And they said, nah, nah. And he goes, yeah, but we've got to go get that. He says, well, oh, okay. So the two of them went together down to the police station. And Dave went in and said, 
you know, about a week and a half or so ago, my, I made a 911 call. We were at home, and my wife was going to labor to have a baby. And the officer said, ah, you're the dad? Oh, my goodness, of course I know about that tape. It was so funny that we played it at the office Christmas party. <laughs> Yeah, you could ask Dave and Cindy. Things happen that you're not expecting. Life doesn't always go the way you plan. That's the reality of life. What to expect when you're expecting is that there are lots of things that are going to happen that you don't expect. I got to thinking about Mary and Joseph. I thought about our scripture lesson this morning. It doesn't say a whole lot, and yet it says so much. I've been very disciplined, and I hope you have been. I've been getting up early every morning. I've been sitting there, getting my cup of coffee, sitting on the sofa, lighting up the tree, reading my devotional, time in prayer. I'm looking at the nativity scene. And I spend time just kind of visualizing and thinking, what's really going on with Mary? What's going on with Joseph? You know, you start thinking about it, and there's really a whole lot that's happening there. I mean, it was an angel that had come to Mary and said, you have found favor with God, and the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and you're going to wind up being pregnant and having a baby. Well, that was kind of an amazing thing, but nobody bothered telling Joseph in the beginning. You remember how Joseph reacted? It said Joseph decided to divorce her quietly. It certainly began to cause such a stress in their relationship. Until finally an angel came to Joseph and said, Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And so it was that Mary and Joseph did get back together. But then no one told the rest of the town. What about all the other people who knew they were engaged to be married? No, Mary had to be the scandal of the town. And you know, in that day, when a young Jewish couple got married, well, that was a big deal. They didn't have a lot of things to celebrate, but that was one that they did celebrate. And the celebration would go on for a week where you were the center of attention. Every good Jewish girl had to dream about her week. But that wouldn't happen for Mary. And now she found herself nine months pregnant and she's traveling from from Nazareth to Bethlehem on a donkey. And she finds herself in Bethlehem and there is no room because you have the senses going on. And if it wasn't for the generosity of an innkeeper to say, I got a cattle stall, they would have had nowhere. And so it was in a cattle stall that she gave birth to her firstborn son. Well, let me tell you, this isn't what she was expecting when she was expecting. Life did not go the way she planned. And if there's anything clear about the Christmas story, it is the story of life. That sooner or later, you and I have to accept what is and embrace the good there is and understand 
we are not in control of everything, then life doesn't always go the way you plan. And what you and I have to figure out is when we find ourselves in those moments, how do we find hope? How do we find hope so that life still has meaning and you know love and you find joy when it's not what's happening is not what you expected? Mary managed to do it. I believe we can do it. Two things I want us to think about this morning. First of all, I have a feeling that Mary repeated to herself over and over again what the angel said to her. You have found favor with God. She needed to hear that. You have found favor with God. Because sometimes it sure didn't feel like it. When you look at all that was happening in her life, it didn't feel like she had found favor with God. It was a struggle. Those were some hard times. But to hear that statement was a statement where God was saying, I'm claiming you. You are mine. You are not alone. You are loved. You have found favor with God. And it wasn't just a message for Mary. I believe it's the message of Christmas for you and me. I came across a fascinating story of a, of a seven-year-old boy who had autism. You know, that's a tough disease. And, and this little boy, it wasn't a severe, severe case. He was able to go to school, but whenever he got excited, you know, he'd be shaking his hands and, and he's speaking out at kind of inappropriate times. It was hard for him, but he was able to go to school. And when it came to Christmas, he wanted to go see Santa Claus right along with his cousins. And his mom took him and his cousins to go to the mall, go see Santa Claus. They stood in line. When it was their turn, they each went up one by one, sat on Santa's lap, gave their list, and then went down, had their picture taken. When it came his time, he managed to go up there on his own, sit on Santa's lap, give his list, have his picture taken, and then come down on the other side with his mom. They were standing in line in order to pay for the picture and to get it developed. And, and when they were standing there, she suddenly turned around and her son was gone. She started looking for him and then she saw he'd run back up the stairs back to Santa Claus. And when she looked closely, what she saw was this Santa gently had his hands together and was rubbing his hands. He was a wise Santa. You see, this little boy had run back up to Santa and was all agitated and was shaking his hands. And he said to Santa, because of what I do in school, I'm afraid I'm on the naughty list. And this Santa took his hands and rubbed them gently and looked him in the eye and said, oh, no, no, no. Christmas is about God's love. I am sure. You're on the good list. And you could see this little boy kind of relax and smile and then turn and run off with his mom and they went on away. And I know that sometimes when all these things are happening around us, it's easy to wonder. 
Am I on the naughty list? But the message of Christmas is, no. God sent His Son into the world as an affirmation to you that you have found favor with God. That you belong. That you are His. You are not alone. Some of you may have seen the video right now that's, it was in the news. There was a story about a young lady named Desiree Andrews. She goes by D. She's in the eighth grade in Kenosha, Wisconsin at, at Lincoln uh, Middle School. She's in eighth grade. And D um, has Down syndrome. She's a cute little girl. She is able to function and yet she has a lot of different struggles. She's at school and the one thing about Lincoln, they've been so very good to Dee, they've let her be a cheerleader. I mean, you have all the girls who are elected cheerleader and they're all dressed up. And then you have Dee who's dressed up just like the rest of the cheerleaders. She can't do what they do. They learn the cheers. They choreograph their dances. And so when they're at a game, they dance. And then Dee does her own dance kind of at the end. But they're there to be able to love on her. Well, is that a basketball game? That you had the cheerleaders and they were doing their dance and down at the end, Dee was kind of doing her dance. And some of the boys sitting up in the stands really began to make fun at her. They began to holler at her and say things about her. And there were some boys on the bench who heard what was going on. And when there was a timeout, three of them got off the bench and went into the stands and confronted these other young boys and said, we don't do that. That is not nice. We are all the children of God. When they confronted them, these other boys backed down. And this became kind of a seminal moment for the team and ultimately the school. You see, the team got together and said, we need to do something here. And so they found Dee's schedule and they made the decision somebody would always be there to walk Dee from one class to the next class. So she was never alone. So she was always knowing she wasn't alone, that somebody cared and loved her. And so they were there to walk her to class. And then they got together as a team and went to the coach. And with the help of the coach, they made up a banner that they hung in the gym that said, Dee's house. So that she would know when she came to the gym, this was a place she belonged This was a place where she was loved. This was a place where she was safe. But it wasn't just for Dee to feel that way. It was supposed to make the whole school feel that way. That we all come here because we belong. And we are loved. And we are safe. I believe when you look at Mary... I sit there and I look at this nativity scene and I see Mary and I know she had to be saying, I found favor with God. And even though sometimes it doesn't feel like it with all that I've gone through, I know what it means to belong, to be loved, to feel safe. I'm not alone. It's how you find hope when the things that are happening are things you didn't expect.
But secondly, I know that the star was in the heavens in order to lead the wise men to the manger. But I kind of believe God put the star in the heaven also to help Mary see. Not physically, but it would cause Mary to look up into the heavens and to see with her heart, to believe that God was moving in her life to sustain, to guide in ways that she did not understand or know, to believe that she was loved and that God was going to be guiding her life. You look into the heavens and you see with your heart in those times that are so hard. I mean, how many of us know when you've gone through a hard time, it's not in that moment, it's not until later, maybe years later, you look back and when you look back, you start saying, wow, I see how God was moving in my life. I didn't see it in that moment, but because that happened, it led me here. And because of that, I, I got to there and, and I see where I am. I'm able to look back and see where God strengthened and encouraged and, and led me from place to place. It's in looking back, you start to understand that you weren't alone, that God was there to sustain and guide and help. But when you're in that moment, when you're not understanding, that's when it's hard. It's when you have to trust that if we continue to do our best, God is guiding and sustaining and leading us forward into life. There is hope for a life of meaning, a life of love, a life of joy, even when it's not what you expected. You may have seen this video that's gone viral. I had a friend share it with me. It was a fascinating video about a, um, a couple, Dana and Arkel Graves. It's been viewed over 10 million times. Very short home video. But it, really what it's all about is about a couple discovering that they're pregnant. You see, they've been married for 17 years. They actually went to elementary school together. And as a young boy and girl in elementary school, they fought like cats and dogs, grew up, and then they got married. Been married for 17 years, but life is hard. Hard in the fact that they wanted to have a family, but she had four miscarriages. And then she had one baby stillborn. That's a lot of grief. That's a lot of pain. That is not what they expected. It's not the life they had dreamed. They were real people of faith. And as they went through this over and over in their lifetime, they did not become bitter or discouraged or quit. They acknowledged the grief and the sadness, but still believed that there was hope that life could be a life of meaning and joy. It just would come in other ways. They realized that having a baby was probably not in their future, but they trusted God to continue to lead their life in meaningful ways. It came a period, though, that Dana decided she was going to get really fit. She wanted a very strict regimen to get healthy. She wanted to lose some weight. She was working really hard, but it didn't happen. And so she finally went to the doctor, and the doctor said, that's because you're five months pregnant. 
and they were able to do an ultrasound and say, you're going to have a little boy. And so she came home all excited and thinking, how am I going to tell Arkel about this? We never dreamed this might be happening now. And, and so what she did, she, she went and got some buns and she put them in the oven. And then she took the pictures of, uh, of the ultrasound and, and, and she put that beside it. And then she said to him, well, I've been working on dinner. You might want to check what's in the oven. And then she was filming him when he goes and he opens up the oven and it's not hot and he sees some buns in the oven and these picture of an ultrasound and it takes a moment for it finally to click where he drops the thing and turns around and goes, you're pregnant? You're pregnant. She said, yes, we're going to have a little boy. And all he keeps saying is, you're pregnant? And then he starts to cry. Oh, it's this high, wailing, weeping cry. He takes his shirt up over his head. He's so embarrassed. He just keeps crying. It's really a sweet kind of video. And I said it went viral, 10 million views in no time. And there was this joy you just sensed. But a couple weeks after the video, her blood pressure shot up. It went really high, dangerously high. And the doctor said it could damage your liver, your lungs, your heart. We feel we need to terminate the pregnancy to save you. And she really thought about it and she said, no, no. I got to get to 26 weeks. 26 weeks to where this baby could have some chance. Still so early, still such a preemie. But we're not doing that now. And so she waited against the doctor's request until finally it was 26 weeks and a day. And she said, okay. She had a C-section. Her blood pressure did spike. She had some complications. She was in critical condition in the ICU. They did not give little Caleb much chance. They got her blood pressure under control. In the end, she was stabilized and Dana is fine. Little Caleb... He turned out to be a fighter. He was a fighter. He was obviously on oxygen and all kinds of things. It's been two months. It's two months ago now. But they've been able to continue to back down the oxygen. The lungs are developing and he is breathing on his own more and more. He is eating more and more. And he now is up to two pounds. Two pounds. And the doctors are guardedly optimistic believing Caleb may make it. And I want to read you what this couple says after all that they have been through. As many things as there are to complain about, there are so many more to be thankful for. Even before Caleb, we had acknowledged how great God has been in our lives. Who would have thought that us fighting in elementary school would lead us to making up in a marriage? Our lives are not the way we imagined, but we have been very blessed. Our lives are not the way we've imagined, but we have been blessed. They were asked, why did you put that video on the internet? And they said, well, we thought if other people knew our story, it might give them hope. Hope. That when life doesn't go the way you plan, 
you still can know meaning and love and joy because God says you have found favor. You belong. You were loved. And God does move in our lives to sustain and to guide in those darkest of nights. It's because a baby has been born in Bethlehem that we have hope. It's in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let each of us lift up our own silent prayer.